Hello, and welcome to Midweek in the Word podcast, brought to you by Faith Bible in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every week, we strive to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. Look for us every Wednesday where you stream your podcasts. Here's our host, Faith Bible's Adult Ministries pastor, Brad Myers. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. We want to provide a brief notice of what you'll see over the coming weeks here on the podcast. We're going to be breaking from our Bearing Witness series over the summer and into the fall in order to highlight some of our best past episodes. So as you're listening, you will notice there's a bit of a reference gap. We'll note things that don't quite line up with the timeline. But Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with new content in September. We hope you enjoy these episodes. You're tuning in and uh, taking the time as we continue our series, What Does the Bible Say About... Last week, if you were with us, you know that we continued our discussion on the Trinity, uh, but talking about God the Father specifically, and I just had a great discussion with Dean DelFoss from Country Bible. If you missed that episode, I would really encourage you to go back and find that, uh, as it was a really challenging and encouraging episode with Dean. Um, And this week, we're going to move forward with our discussion on the Trinity. We've talked about God the Father, and today we will be talking about God the Son. But first, before I get to that, back on the podcast again with me. Uh, is not a guest, I guess. <laughs> I guess a regular here on the podcast, Tom Rempel, our preaching pastor. Uh, welcome back, Tom. Yeah, thanks, and appreciate getting to stand in the shadow of Brother Dean. So uh, it's going to be a hard act to follow. I'm there, sure. there you go. It was, it was definitely an encouraging discussion, yeah. in my opinion. And uh, but I'm looking forward to this one as well. I'm really looking forward to going into uh, the reality of of Christ, uh, yeah. God the Son. Obviously, there was a lot of relationship with God the Father, as Dean was talking about that last week. Uh, let's let's get into subject number four of our new series. Uh, we're talking about the second person of the Godhead, God the Son. And uh, it struck me all of a sudden as I was going through some of these that, uh, that I should be reading the sections on each of these from our doctrine, <laughs> yeah. our statement of faith as a church. So I apologize, listeners, that you didn't get the first two. But now that we're into God the Son, I want to begin our discussion uh, by just reading our statement of faith on God the Son and and uh, allow you to build off from that, Tom. So let me just let me just start off here uh, with our, our paragraph on Jesus. We believe in the true deity and full humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his virgin birth, in his sinless life, in his miracles, in his substitutionary and atoning death through his shed blood, in his bodily resurrection, in his ascension to the right hand of the Father, and in his promised personal return to earth in power and glory to reign as the King of Kings. Amen. All right. And that's it. Apparently, <laughs> apparently that's all we have to say on the subject. No, uh, Tom, uh, let's, let's kick this off then. Obviously, this is a bit of an introduction, yeah. but uh, what does the Bible say about God the Son? You know, that's um, the subject of the Bible, as I was just mm. uh, thinking through it. Uh, you know, as, as one of the authors says, uh, every page breathes his name. Yeah. And uh, Jesus said in Luke 24 um, that this speaks of me. And he opened their minds to understand. So uh, what it says about him is that he is the eternal God. He is the second person of the Godhead, but he is equal to the Father. Uh, I thought the, the best text to introduce it is just the one in Hebrews, which says, Long ago, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Mm. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So uh, he is the human expression of the divine. Or is it, the other one that hit me was, what does it say about him? So after the disciples walked with Jesus for those three years, on that last night he was with them. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And one of them said, if you would just show us the Father, that'd be enough. <laughs> and he said, duh, you have been with me this long, and you do not realize he has seen yes. me, has seen the Father. So yes. I think that's the summation of what the Bible says about Christ, is that he is the reflection of the Father. He is God in the flesh. Mm. Mm. So obviously, relying on those things we've already talked about in the Trinity, fully God, that yeah. reality that, you know, all of the characteristics of God, all that sort of yeah. thing. I love that you go that same passage that Dean, we actually talked about last week, yep. uh, that reality of the fact that Jesus says, I am showing you the Father, yeah. <laughs> like that, that, you know, I am in every way revealing to you yeah. who the Father is as well. Okay, so I, I want to dig down deep into one thing specifically, though, you know, that that I know at different times has been discussed, that, that I know is one of the the, the struggles, the tensions in theology that we try to understand correctly, and that is the reality of what we call the hypostatic union. How was Jesus? You've already talked about Jesus's full yeah. humanity. Um, we also agree with his full divinity. Explain that a little bit to, to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, that, that, thank you for the light uh, question. <laughs> just, um, just clarify that one it for is, us. It is yeah. almost unexplainable, and yet uh, as you go through the Old Testament— uh, there are the angel of the Lord appearances. Uh, we call them theophanies. It's, it's, it's as though Christ came and made an appearance before he became the child of Mary and the assumed son of Joseph. So there's the human expression of God present. But then in uh, his conception by the Holy Spirit and his birth through Mary, he became fully man without ceasing to be fully God. Uh, he didn't exchange one for the other, but he became part of the very creation that he was. And so as the disciples walked with him, as other people saw him, they saw him as fully human. Mm. And he was hungry. He was tired. Uh, he, 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 he had a heart of compassion. He was moved by the afflictions of those around him. At the end, looking back, they realize, I was thinking about what John said, you know, many other things are he did that are not written in his book. These are written so that you might believe that he is the Christ, that is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, coming Messiah, and that he is the Son of God. So he kind of puts mm. the two together. Mm. But, but he did not reflecting back, John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of the Father, mm. full of grace and truth. So they saw a man, and in retrospect, they realized they were seeing God. So the, the union of man and God in the person of Christ um, never really became crystal clear until after the resurrection ascension. Mm. To them, I mean. Yeah. But biblically, it's declared over and over. Yeah, we see both, much much in the same way that we see that all three members of the Trinity are fully God, yeah. and there is one God. Yeah. And so much like this, we, yeah. we, we make up these big fancy theological words to yeah. try and understand these two realities yeah. simultaneously. 
Okay, you've you've already brought up a few subjects or, or a few passages here. You've got Luke twenty four. You mentioned Hebrews. You mentioned John one one. Um, other places in Scripture that we would go um, to understand uh, the second member of the Trinity. Well, again, we we go back to our conversation about the Trinity all the way back in Genesis chapter one when. God said, let us make man in our image, in the image of God. He made him male and female, male is in the plural. So we have to start there. We see that he is there in the day of creation. And according to John chapter 1, the, uh, the word was with God and the word was God. All things came into being. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So he is the creator at the same time, so you got Old Testament, Genesis 1, New Testament, you have John chapter 1. And, and then the, the other place, I think, where you reflect, I was thinking about in Philippians 2, uh, have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So mm. you take that one. Another text I would go to would be Romans chapter 1, where in the introduction, the apostle Paul declares that he was fully declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Mm. It wasn't, mm-hmm. He wasn't adopted out of the grave. He was affirmed as God's eternal mm. Son by the Father, raising him from the dead. So there's all these texts that run through. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 5, to the Pharisees and the scribes, you search the scriptures because you believe that in them you have eternal life, but it is those that speak of mm. me. So again, we're back to that Luke 24 thing where it says that every page of scripture breathes his name. So mm. we look for it. We have to be careful we don't make every rock or every turned over lib in the Old Testament Jesus, right. but certainly right. are pointing toward him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just makes me think back to, you know, Dean had mentioned, he was talking about God the Father, but he had mentioned Psalm 2, mm-hmm. you know, where we read, I will, I will tell of the decree, verse 7, the yeah. Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you, right? Yeah. That reality. And obviously he was talking about God the Father there. We also recognize that's, a, that's an understanding of God the Son, where we get that eternally begotten sort of idea. He has always been God. It's not some, some birth or thing that we think of. Um, but, but that's, that's maybe the, the, the right, right understanding or the right place to go to, to segue. Obviously we're going to talk a little bit about heresies here in a moment. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what, what about, what about disagreements? What about things, um, that, that the church maybe wrestles with when it relates to Jesus specifically? Well, I, th- I think we go back to our conversation about the Trinity, and there are times when, because Christ was God in the flesh, that we're back to that modalism that says mm. that the Father is, in the Old Testament, is revealed as God the Father, and the New Testament is revealed as the Son, and then in the Gospel, or I mean, in the epistles, he's revealed as the Spirit. They're not three personalities, they're one. I think mm. that's one. I think the other is, uh, again, that, that we have so, we so badly want to see Jesus in his humanity that 
that we diminish his divinity. Hmm. And uh, so Jesus is my friend. He's like, as I mentioned, Sunday sermon. Uh, oftentimes the songs we sing about him, you have to ask the question, are, are you singing that to Jesus or to your boyfriend? We, we've brought him down. Hmm. So I would say that the current concern is that the over-familiarity with Jesus strips him some of the awe and the uh, and the dignity of the one before him who every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the, other, the other text I was thinking about is in Revelation uh, chapter 1, where he, he starts in Revelation, he ends in Revelation. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning mm-hmm. and the end. And uh, again, as, as believers, as the church, to continue to understand that he is both the creator and the completer of mm-hmm. all things. That it, it, He says in Colossians, all things will be brought into unity in him. And so to, to raise him up to that level of esteem and, uh, and reverence uh, is always the challenge. Not, not to just let him become so pedestrian in our conversation mm. that we forget who he genuinely is. Mm. Okay, so maybe there's some wiggle room uh, understanding-wise where different people emphasize different, you know, again, when, as we try to seek to understand this tension, you know, between yeah. divinity and humanity, the reality of Christ's humanity, also the reality of Christ's divinity, there's obviously going to be some tension there with the way we describe yeah. it amongst believers who are trying to make those two yeah. things jive together, um, but maybe there's, a, there's, a, there's some, um, some different emphasis as far as which side, though we have to be cautious not to do one side to the d- yeah. discrimination of the other. Okay, you've already mentioned here briefly this this idea of modalism. Okay, yeah. that's that's obviously an example we see of a of a heresy in relationship yeah. to this. So explain modalism just a little bit more. What is the essence of that heresy? Well, I, I think basically it is that there is one God, which uh, according to that that philosophy or theology would thereby eliminate the possibility for three persons in the one Godhead. And so basically it is that there are three moving expressions of the one God. Mm. And uh, so if you read about the Father, that's the God. But if you read about the Son, well, it's just that one God, but you eliminate. He's now shifted from being known as Father to be now known Mm. as a Son. And then he sends the Spirit. He leaves, and the Spirit comes, and they go, well, see there, God is still present here, but the Father and Son don't exist anymore. It's just the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so not being uh, I would say able to, to embrace all three simultaneously, it tends mm-hmm. to end up there. Mm-hmm. Which is where, obviously, the, the mode idea, modalism, yeah. that yeah. You know, the God is in different modes or different forms, yeah. or it's not three persons. It's just a different manifestation, manifestation of, good word. of one God. Okay, yeah. so, so we've got that recognition, which is a little bit of a generic, even undermining of the Trinity doctrine, yeah. though specifically, obviously, would relate to Jesus' humanity and his incarnation. I know one of the early church debates was exactly this, the the divinity and humanity. Okay, so there's obviously two heresies potential there. Uh, Describe kind of where the heresies or things go off the rails on either Christ's humanity or Christ's divinity. Well, again, it's it's that as I'm reading the scriptures, the question is when Jesus did not consider his deity a thing to be grasped, when he became a man, did he leave behind 
all of that. Or, as we talked about with the Trinity, he did the works of God amongst men, but he did it in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit Mm. descended upon Mm -hmm. him. And and so to see the Godhead working together in the one to accomplish the purpose, again, you know, Jesus said, you know, I've come to do the will of him who sent me. And uh, I, I, John 6 on Sunday I was looking at, it just like, you know, I am that bread of life that came down from the Father. Yeah, so again, yeah. there's that that tendency to to slice and separate too far, mm. I think. And so it, you're just, I, and again, I, I don't know, I was trying to think, I, I don't know about if these are current challenges. They just raise themselves up periodically and then they disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think I, the one that's probably most concerning is that we have lost a bit of the awe and the reverence because mm-hmm. he is human and forgetting that that he is now exalted to the Father's right hand mm. and is seated in heavenly places. Mm. So really anything that falls short of that fully God, fully man, yeah. as you know, as our doctrinal, doctrinal statement says, right, we believe in the true deity and full humanity. So true deity, full humanity. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we've got some errors out there that, you know, exactly what you're speaking of, that, that idea that Jesus was adopted at his baptism yeah. or that Jesus was a sub-God of some sort that, that isn't really the true God or, you know, that misunderstanding of the Son of God yeah. idea or, yeah. you know, even, even things that would say, well, Jesus was on earth, he was just kind of like filling a human, you know, he wasn't really fully, yeah. you know, anything yeah. that would fail to fully recognize both full humanity and full divinity yeah. with the challenges of our own human intellect to fully understand that well, and, um, and, undermines and, it. And, and he got the Godhead. I was thinking, you know, in the Psalms, he says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm, Hanging yeah. on the cross. Yeah. How, how do we explain God forsaking God? Yeah. You know, the father turns his face away from the son and yet... Mm. For that moment in history, was Jesus no longer divinity? So those tensions are always there, and the pressure is just to embrace the word as it's declared, and not to insist on being able to explain it all the time. Mm. Yeah, very so good. Faith, faith requires us to trust what we do not fully comprehend. Very good. Yeah, and I, I know it's again how relevant are the challenges to this? I know that as I run into them, they always strike me as extremely subtle. Yes. You know, the way they kind of, it's, it's, it's not, it's not an all outright, you know, yeah. denial of Christ ever coming to earth. And it's not an outright, you know, it's kind of that, it's, it's that nuanced kind of feeling yeah. on it where it's like, yeah, it was a manifestation of, or yeah, it's just kind of a kind of God or a sub God or, you know, those things that very, it's almost, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but it's, it's very subtle, yeah. you know, the way it tends well, to it, creep it, in. It goes back to just, you know. Any question or doubt about the virgin birth, the conception mm. by the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, it, it begins there. Or the baptism. In order to fulfill the law, he was mm. baptized not because of the, his own sin that he had to repent of and confess, but because he was fulfilling the law, then tested in the wilderness. Can God be tempted to sin, you know. So, you, mm. so again, as, you, as you're just trying to make your way through and keep it pure yeah. biblically, and yet there are those moments where you ask that question, you know, how how can that be? And and again, it is because that's what the Word says, yeah. and we try to embrace it from the faith side. Yeah, we hold to it even if we can't fully yeah. understand it yeah. at times. 
Okay, and it's not the last doctrine. We're going to run into that. <laughs> that <laughs> I'm idea. afraid you're right. We're going to be here again. Okay, well, last but not least, obviously, the person and work of Christ is incredibly relevant for all of us as believers. Um, but what would you say is the impact that's worth considering for our lives of, of this second person of the Godhead? Well, uh, the danger is to admire him as a great teacher. Mm-hmm or to diminish him to a great example of how a good person would live. And yet, uh, if we are trusting in him, we have, as John said, eternal life. Mm. And so the secret is is that he is our life. And so in the book of Ephesians especially, the apostle Paul reminds us again and again that the secret to our lives is that we are in Christ Jesus. Mm. So this one who became flesh, gave his life for us, is ascended to the Father's right hand. We are brought into him, 1 Corinthians 12. We have been baptized by one spirit into the body, which is his body. So he is our life. Or Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Hmm. so he is our life. He is the hope for life future, but he has already given us the gift of eternal life. And so we walk and live and breathe in him. Yeah, Yeah, I can't help but think of that classic illustration. I want to say it's C.S. Lewis, but I may be wrong on that. You know, that idea, there's basically three things you can do with Jesus, right? Either either you believe he's a liar, that he said a lot of crazy things that uh, that he was just lying about, and he knew he wasn't God, uh, but he told everybody he was God. Or you believe that he was delusional, right? Yeah. He genuinely thought he yeah. was God, but he wasn't God. Or you accept the fact that he was That's exactly right. who he said he was. The, the, the only thing he can't be is an admirable moral teacher. That's right. <laughs> he can either be God or he's a lunatic, but he, right. he can't be. Contradicts all the above. He can't just be a moral authority that yeah. we trust in. Some of the things he said, but not everything we say. That's, that's a really good reminder for us as believers. I know it's, it's easy, you know, you think, you know, of, you know, even, even the demons, even, even Satan understands who Jesus that's is right. intellectually. That's a far cry from putting our own personal faith and hope in the person and work of Christ himself. Well, very good. Listeners, um, likely this is a familiar topic to you, um, but if it's an unfamiliar topic, we do hope it's been helpful as we've discussed it here. Let me try to hit some of the high points that Tom has shared with us here on the podcast today just by way of refresher. Uh, remember some of these critical understandings of Jesus as, as a full member of the Trinity, fully God, and, and, and also a part of the Godhead, this, this reality of the Trinity that we've talked about. Also, in his incarnation, you know, John 1.1, 1, 1, that we've brought up already, that we also understand that Jesus was both fully God and fully man in his incarnation. That's a critical doctrine to keep in mind for an understanding of his sinless life, his substitutionary atoning death, and ultimately the confirmation of his divinity in his resurrection Amen. as well. We've talked about it from Luke 24, uh, Hebrews, John 1, 1, John 5, some of those passages to keep in mind, though, to Tom, your point, these, these references are 
everywhere throughout everywhere. the Bible <laughs> if you start looking at them very much. Um, then recognize there's, you know, there's obviously been some debate and some disagreement within the, the church over the course of the years. Much like last week when we talked about it, it mostly comes down to application of trying to understand the weights to put on these things in our human understanding and our systematic approach, putting kind of man's words to understand what the, the word actually reveals. Um, but then also be careful for some of the heresies re- revolving around this idea, you know, modalism that would deny Christ's full divinity, that would deny that there are three members of the Godhead, or also to, to totally deny the divinity or the humanity of Christ mm. in any way, to, to stop short of God was both fully man yeah. and fully God, that Jesus was fully deity and fully humanity is to stop short and to, to move yourself very quickly into error. Um, and then just that encouragement and, and that this is, this is the one that not only saves us, but he's the one that we follow yeah. and he's the one that empowers us to do the work uh, that he's, he's gone before us to do. Any, any final thoughts or closing remarks on, on God the Son for our listeners, Tom? Well, just reflecting on the big picture of the scriptures, uh, he came at least nine or ten times in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord mm. met people at a moment of crisis and need. And then according to the Gospels, he came again and he lived upon the earth for 33 years, gave his life to meet the ultimate crisis, that is our need for a Savior. And then he ascended to the Father's right hand, but this story continues with, and he's going to come again. Mm. So the encouragement is how the whole book closes. The last two verses of the Bible say, he who testifies to these things said, surely I'm coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. So he who came is coming again, and that's our blessed hope. Mm. Amen. We look backward in reliance of salvation, and we look forward to that glory of Christ's return. Thanks for taking time to join us for Midweek in the Word. To hear previous podcast episodes, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Bible Lincoln or tweet us at FBC Lincoln. And now we leave you with these encouraging words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.